I remember trying to get myself back into the car to ring the ambulance. It felt like I was in two minds anyway, where I know I'm having a stroke, but the irony of, of me being an occupational therapist working in stroke rehab, the two consultants that were there were telling me to keep my head still. And of course, I know what a thrombectomy is. I know they're poking around in my brain. I've come through like a significant event, but I'm just a more positive person. I'm now glass half full rather than half empty. Um, you just have a different perspective. Hi there, I'm Jerry Stevens. In 2017, I suffered a bleed on my brain, causing a stroke and has changed my life ever since. I thought it would be a good idea to speak to some stroke survivors and share their journey. Even if you haven't been affected by stroke, these are compelling, positive life stories from stroke survivors. They're doctors, physiotherapists and cognitive experts that I've met as part of my ongoing recovery. They have some amazing stories to share and advice to give. And over the coming weeks on RTE Radio 1 Extra, we'll explore them with you. Joining me on the Strokecast today is occupational therapist and stroke survivor, Magella Cassidy. Thanks for joining me today, Magella. Thanks, Jerry. You're an occupational therapist. They wear many hats on a stroke ward particularly. Tell me, how would you describe a typical day for you? Um, well, we, we get um, di- different types of patients in all the time, but from the stroke point of view, um, I probably go in and I would see the patient initially and we would see jointly with um, the physiotherapist. Um, so we check how their physical abilities are, so how they're transferring, able to get out of bed, able to move their arm, their leg. We also assess their communication along with speech and language therapists. So we check if their their speech is okay or how they're communicating. Can they understand what we're saying? Can they can they speak? Um, can they answer our questions appropriately? And all the while as well, we're ch- checking their cognition. So how their brain is working? Is their memory okay? Are they understanding what I'm asking them? It sounds very busy. It's A very, very yes, busy. Yes, day. Yeah. You do home visits. Uh, for stroke patients yeah. to see if their homes are suitable, you know, when yes. they get discharged and yeah. you have a look around the ha- house and, you know, see their environment. What would yeah. you be looking for now when you're in the house and you're you're, you're evaluating yeah. it to, to be suitable? What, what are you looking for? Yeah, so we do we do two kind of visits, so an access visit and a home visit. And the access visit is really about me going out prior to you visiting your house or going home um, to check the home environment so you're checking um, like for falls risks so mats loose mats etc you're checking the heights of steps is there steps in is there ramped access um, do you, if, you, if the person's in a wheelchair can they get in and out if there is steps um, you know you're checking heights of furniture so can they get in and out of the bed can they get on and off their chair can on and off the toilet um, all that sort of thing and then we do a, a home visit and that's usually with the patient so that could be um, for just prior to going discharge home or if you're as you said there if you're going for a night out um, on like on a weekend so we want to encourage that um, to happen to prepare you for going home so we do a visit prior to that with, with the patient um, and check can they do all the things that we need them to do but we also check as, um, about with the kitchen can they you know setting up their home environment really to allow them to be able to do the things that they were doing before so setting up maybe just um, the kitchen so that it makes it easier for them to reach things or um, use the use the kettle or use the, the cooker, yeah. What's the hardest part of your job, do you think? I suppose the, 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 I suppose the effects that stroke has on the patient, but I think families, um, particularly families, um, I think they're sometimes forgotten about in the whole process, that it's... Um, you know that it's a life-changing event for for the person 
Um, but it's also a life changing event for the families. Um, they have to take on different roles, responsibilities. Um, they don't understand, always understand what a stroke is and how it can affect somebody. So it can, it can really, really have detrimental effects um, in various ways. Um, so somebody can be you know, walking okay. And so they, a lot of people would expect somebody with a stroke not to walk. You know, they think that's... But some people are actually okay physically, but cognitively. So how their brain is working is not. So they can become really confused and disorientated. And so it's just a whole life-changing event for 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 the families. And I think we need to look... You need to. I think that's probably the hardest part is trying to make them understand um, and include them and um, get them involved in the care. Yeah. It's great that you, we're talking to you today as an occupational therapist, as a professional dealing with, with stroke patients. But you're the first professional I've met who has also had a stroke. Yeah. Take me back to September 20th in 2018. I think you were on your way to work at the time. Yeah. What happened? Yeah, it was about 8.15 8 in the morning and um, I was on my way to work. But just prior to, to leaving the house, um, I had been unwell for the past week with a really bad chest infection. And my mum was there in the house and told me not to go um, not 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 to go to work. But I, of course, being stubborn and knowing that there was no one to cover um, the stroke rehab ward in work um, I went in into work um, and I'm actually glad I did because if I hadn't have I probably would have just returned to bed and probably had my stroke you know in bed with nobody around but um, I anyway I went on got into the car and drove half halfway and was feeling really sick um, and had a really really bad headache and so I stopped the car and um, I, I um, that was when uh, the stroke symptoms started to, to come about Um I must have said something to myself because I could hear I was having slurred speech. And I looked in the mirror and I could see that I had facial droop on my left side. And um, I then wasn't able to use my foot properly on the clutch to take it out of gear. And then my hand was on the gear stick, my left hand. And I didn't even feel that it was on the gear stick um, and I couldn't move it at all. So I had to use my right hand to take my left hand off it and then take it out of gear. And then I got myself out of the car um, because I felt like I was going to throw up. Um, But I must have I must have um, kind of lowered myself to the ground. Um, and um, I, I remember trying to get myself back into the car because my phone was just beside the gear stick um, to ring the ambulance, but I couldn't reach it. Um, I was pulling on the arm of the door with my right side. Um, but that was when two women stopped um, and um, they, were, they called the ambulance for me. Did you realise it was a stroke? Yes, yes. Um, clearly, all the symptoms of a stroke. Um, so the fat, yeah, I don't, you'd probably know the fast campaign. Yes, you know, of face, course, yeah. arm, speech, time. Um, so I had all every, you know, every like kind of symptom of of a, of a massive stroke. Um, but as I was saying, you, you don't. You're in two minds. Um, or it f- felt like I was in two minds anyway where I know I'm having a stroke but the irony of, of me being an occupational therapist working in stroke rehab um, I just couldn't be having a stroke and I'm young as well even though I work with young people who've had strokes um, I it, it just it didn't feel like it was it was real do you know um, but uh, yeah but I, I definitely was definitely was having the stroke yeah so these two ladies these good Samaritans yeah. uh, come to your aid yeah they call an ambulance for you um, you remember getting into the ambulance were you coherent yes yeah throughout the whole thing um, I knew exactly exactly what was happening um, I although I was trying to tell um, 
I think it was Geraldine and Ruth, the, the two women that were um, uh, that were, were calling the ambulance for me. I tried to tell them not to call the ambulance <laughs> um, because stop fussing, basically, in a slurred speech. Um, and trying to tell, also, I actually tried to tell the ambulance, um, uh, the ambulance, the woman on the phone, um, that I wasn't fast positive because yeah, I was just in complete denial of what was actually I happening. I was the to same. Me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I did get into the ambulance and, um, yeah, I, I didn't, um, yeah, I basically, yeah, I got in and I was I was alert for the whole time. They were talking to me all the time um, and I was alert through it the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. And of course, you're in your green uniform. You're in your greens. Yeah. They, they suddenly, they must have realised this is one of our own here. Yes, yes, that's it. Exactly. Because actually, the, yeah, the green uniform is sometimes like uh, an ambulance crew mm. uniform. But um, they, they realised that I was working in a hospital and yeah, I was explaining to them where I worked. And uh, I think it was Geraldine that called the ambulance, actually called my mum there and then as well, um, before even the ambulance arrived. Um, just to say that she'd called an ambulance that I wasn't well and that I would be going to probably going to draw at a hospital so that was how they initially found out um, but I think once I arrived um, at Drada, um Fiona the clinical nurse specialist I think she called my, I think it was her that was called my parents um, to explain and to tell them where to come and what to do yeah So you get to A&E in Drogheda um, they do a CT scan Yes Yeah. What did they find? Um, so they found that I had a clot on my brain so um, a right middle cerebral artery infarct um, and that's what they found on the CT. So a massive clot blocking one of the main arteries that blood flows to your to your brain. Hospital Registrar Dr. Zul Khalil. Magella came into us and was, I suppose, we recognised who she was when she first came in. Um, she was in her uniform. Uh, Magella was is um, our occupational therapist. Um, and when she came in, she had a dense hemiparesis or paralysis of the left side. So Magella also had a carotid artery dissection and dissections usually are as a result of either minor or major trauma or can be spontaneous. What Magella had was she had a recent respiratory tract infection and therefore she was coughing a lot in the preceding weeks and what we thought may have happened would have been that because of these coughing bouts, because of the chest infection she had in the preceding weeks, she would have torn a little bit in the inner lining of her artery, in her carotid artery, which feeds the brain, the main blood vessel that feeds the brain. And as a result of this tear in the carotid artery, the inner lining, a clot um, can develop and therefore go north and cause a stroke. Magella had a thrombectomy. Um, she was. She had both actually. She had thrombolysis and thrombectomy. So she had both the clot-busting drug, and she also went up for thrombectomy. Now, we talk about, or we we talk about, you know, hyperacute care um, a lot. And Magella's a great example of what we can do um, in hyperacute care. For example, let's say Jerry, when you came in, you know, you took several weeks if not months before you got home Magella went home by day five and to be honest with you she went home by day five only because we kept her in for purposes of trying to find out what the cause was she could probably have gone home by day two or three that is how impressive this treatment can be 
Um, and that is why we always keep saying, come you know, to hospital as quickly as possible, because there is so much more that we can do now. So it, it is a clot, it's not a bleed. Yes, so exactly. They, would decide they, they need to distinguish between if yes. it is that, that, that kind of um, guides their um, intervention or medical intervention. Yeah. And as always with a clot, they would thrombolize you, yes. which is this miracle clot-busting drug it that is. goes yes. into your blood yes. and hopefully yeah. um, dis- shifts yeah, the clot. Yeah, disperses, the, exactly, yeah. Breaks yeah. it up or breaks, breaks up the, the yeah. debris. Yeah. However, after thrombolizing you, mm. it didn't shift. No, no, it didn't have the effect that they had hoped it would. So then that was when um, they probably made a decision to look at thrombectomy for me, which is in Beaumont. Okay, so the clock is ticking. Yes, yeah. They get you to Beaumont and they perform this amazing piece. It it is an operation, I suppose. Yeah. It it is an operation uh, called a thrombectomy. I'm fascinated to hear how the procedure works. Yeah, it's, um, well, you're, you're brought in and um, they they go through the fem- the um, the groin area, actually, and all the way up into your into your brain. Um, and they're basically, as you're saying, they're like kind of sucking, a, sucking the clot out, like removing the clot. Um, but it's, um, when you're lying down there um, and they start to do it, um, you do feel quite significant pain, but just for a very short period of time. Um, I think somebody described it before I think it was actually Fiona and uh, the, the clinical nurse specialist described somebody saying that it felt like a hot poker like poking their brain um, wow. but for a very short period of time but in that pain period I was obviously moving myself about and um, the two consultants that were there um, tried tra- were telling me to keep my head still and of course I know what a thrombectomy is I know they're poking around in my brain so um, I was definitely I definitely had, um, held my head still so yeah. when when it went into initially into your archery and it's 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 threading through sorry through your veins yeah, yeah, up yeah, through yeah. you don't feel it going through your vein no I didn't feel it anyway nothing no no I don't remember feeling it no definitely not no just felt the pain in my head um, like a really 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 bad headache um, yeah so the, this miracle cable Mm-hmm. finds the clot, yeah. open, opens up and grabs it, grabs it yeah. and takes it yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. This it, is is fa- it is fascinating. This yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Um, so they remove the clot from mm. you. And did you feel an instant sense of relief? Um, yes. Yeah, so they ask you, because um, you're awake for the whole thing, um, they ask you, um, can you move, uh, can you lift up your leg? And I straight away could lift my leg in the air. Yeah. Remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> it is remarkable. They've performed the thrombectomy. You've you've done your time in Beaumont. They send you back on your way up to Drotta for yeah. you know to be monitored and to be looked after. Um, a lot of your senses and a lot of your ability returns very quickly indeed. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I came back in the the ambulance and. Um, I was greeted by, actually, there was, I think because everyone knew me <laughs> in the hospital, there was loads of people waiting for me to arrive back to see how I was. And Fiona was there and um, a lot of the nurses and doctors from the, the A&E um, that were initially there. Um, and the first thing I did, apparently, was wave with my left hand. Um, now, I don't remember the significance of that, do you know, mm. but Fiona remembers and everyone going, oh, like, well, sense of relief. I can assure you, you know, I still can't wave yeah, my left hand, yeah. so I can assure you that was amazing. Yeah. That was absolutely amazing. You must feel very lucky. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I only had very little minor fine motor things initially for like probably a day or two. 
But um, apart from that, the visible physical things, I didn't I didn't really have anything else. Yeah. How long were you in hospital for after that? Um, I went in at 8.30 that morning on the Thursday morning and I was home Wednesday evening, the following Wednesday evening. So six days. I think. Everything working, no issues? No issues, apart from fatigue hmm. um, is probably the main resulting issue from my stroke. Yeah. Clinical nurse, specialist in stroke, Fiona Connachton. Michelle is actually our stroke occupation therapist that works in our off-site stroke rehabilitation unit. Um, I think even when I'm talking about it, I'm getting emotional now, Jerry. And it is the morning that my bleep went off for, for I suppose we got it, the bleep went off. It was... Um, a fast call. It was a stroke patient was coming in through the doors of the hospital. And the first thing I saw when I went into the resus department was the green trousers. And my heart nearly stopped. And I was caught for a minute because I was thinking, oh my God, is this one of our own staff? Is this an occupational therapist? Or is this one of our paramedics? And when I saw Magella's face, I thought... Is this real? Do you know, these things flash through your head. But it's amazing how you manage to contain your emotions and you get on with the job. And with Magella, it was a massive stroke. Do you know, it was a massive clot type stroke. And as a team, you can say 100% we performed to the best that morning. I had to contact Magella's mother and as Magella was gone to CT, I held back in the resource department. She was gone with the team to CT and I had to actually really contain my tears because they were coming. And I think as a nurse, it is those, I think, battles that we have. So it was to contain it, talk to her mom, get the information and get the information back to the team. The other thing that I remember is travelling with Magella to Beaumont for her thrombectomy. And Magella turned around and she said, isn't it ironic? Magella's recovery, and I think I can sum it up in, Magella left in the ambulance with no movement whatsoever down the left side of her body. She came back with me Within, I think we're probably gone two hours completely. She came back through the doors of the emergency department, waving at the staff nurses with her left hand. Did they get to the root cause of your stroke? The the actual, the culprit. Yeah. Well, they um they on the scans it showed up that I had a what's called a carotid dissection. So um you've got your carotid arteries that run up your up your neck into your brain, and one of them had dissected, and they think I threw off a clot from from that, um possibly coughing too from hard the from the chest infection. infection. Okay. So yeah. a, a small piece of your carotid artery uh, yeah. broke off. Well, I'm not sure whether it's just a clot or the blood clot. Oh, or, a clot, yeah, yes. yeah, but it, it And travelled into travelled your brain. into my brain. And, and yeah. stuck there. Yeah, yeah. Have you returned to work yet? Uh, yes, yes, I'm back almost full time. Take one day off a week, which is Wednesday, so break up the week. So I only have to manage two days, like Monday and Tuesday and then Thursday and Friday. So I have a break in between each, yeah. And how do you pace yourself in work now during your working day? Do you, do you have a little recharge time, you know, do, or do you find that you are able now no, for a I'm, day's I'm work? No, I'm now able because initially I didn't come back four days like that. I came back 
one day then I came back two days and I built it up you know three days and I built it up to four days so the fatigue has gotten a lot better since the very start that I'm now able to manage the two days um, but like I have that freedom to um, well when it's not busy too busy but um, I can just take myself away for a few minutes yeah. rest you know even if it's just sitting not looking at anything you know with your eyes closed I think it's, that's the key thing yeah, it, w- w- yeah. with fatigue and it makes a huge difference. difference yeah yeah it'd be the same like with you know even t- talking to colleagues even going down on breaks you know if I'm feeling too tired I just don't go down to the break because you end up having a conversation with somebody and it's even simple things of having a conversation with somebody that can tire you out it's the yeah. fuel it's burning up fuel yeah. that you don't have yeah. as much of that you used to have yeah yeah, that's that's what what it's doing. Some might see this as being ironic, and I certainly don't mean it this way. But do you feel your experience uh, will help you in dealing with stroke patients in your day job? Uh, you would have a better understanding of the condition. In other, in other words, you'd have insider information. Yeah, no, that and that is for sure. Um, one the first thing from the fatigue, um, I'm not as um, as maybe pushy to get the patients up and doing exactly you know um, like the, the physical things knowing that they, when they say they're really really tired they they really do mean it you know it's it is a, it is a very and it's a different type of tiredness it's not the tiredness that I would have felt before the stroke whether I, when I just didn't have a, um, a good night's sleep it's a it's a different type of tiredness. So I do empathise with the patients on that level as well but um, I suppose as well um, because my whole left side went, um, I do believe as well now that I, um, I'm remembering that I, I, I had what was what's called neglect, as well. So where you're just not aware that your left side kind of exists. Now you don't know that that's happening at the time, but looking back on it now, that's probably what was happening to me. So the patients do present like that in the on the stroke rehabilitation ward. They present with neglect, and I kind of understand now. A little bit, I can empathise with that as well, um, but also the the hidden side of things as well. With well, fatigue is hidden, but um, the anxiety around having a stroke and and how it can be just such a life changing event for you and for everyone. Um, that the anxiety you feel about uh, whether you're going to have another one is that all going to happen again, um, and just the anxiety about returning to work as well. Are people going to see me? as the same person I was before. Are they, think, are, they, are they going to go, oh, though that's the girl who had the stroke. Is she going to be able to do her job properly? So all those anxieties around, uh, around it, yeah. Tell me about your run. You recently completed a half marathon. How did the training go for this? Oh, yeah. Well, I started in, in June, July time. Um, my friend Emer pushed me into going, doing the run. And then within one morning, she had me signed up for the Dublin Race Series, which is the 10K, the 10 mile and then the half marathon. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know how she's very convincing, very well, that's convincing. That's ambitious. Yeah. So I did all three. Um, but the, the, the 10K and the 10 mile prepare you for the for the half marathon. Um, but yeah, no, it was a, it was a definitely a goal of mine to, to do it um, because it was quite fitting. It, it, it fell on the anniversary, year anniversary of the stroke. Um, so yes it was in the Phoenix Park and I just completed it last Saturday um, but family and friends actually surprised me I didn't think they were going up Fantastic. they had a big sign and they were dressed up <laughs> as a big cat and everything so yeah and of course more importantly you, you raised funds for the Stroke Ward did, and yeah. for Brain Injury Ireland yes yeah yeah. Um, I think nearly seven, uh, 1600 1700 around about. brilliant yeah great and yeah. well well done Magella it's mm-hmm. great uh, if there was one piece of advice that you could give to stroke patients and indeed their families for when they get discharged it is actually 
actually just making them aware of that, that they're going home and things have changed now and to manage those expectations of going home, what they they will be able to do, what they can be able to do, but also not trying to take away that that hope either that they'll never get better because when you know when they're with us um, they only read they only do a certain amount of, of therapy to, to get them to a point where they're safe to go home and maybe to a point of where they don't need daily daily input but therapy just doesn't stop you know at no, the, at, you know at, at, the, at, the, at the hospital door it goes on on for years afterwards um, and I suppose it is about managing expectations and being realistic about what can be achieved but also not losing that hope of um, that you can actually achieve more well you're you're back in work mm-hmm you're doing your, your two days on a day off yeah. and I think that's fantastic it sounds a really doable yeah. um, recipe yeah um, can you see yourself get to five days um, at, at the minute um, I, I definitely need the, the day off I know I recognise that that and I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned from the stroke is actually recognising what my limitations are. I don't think I knew that prior to the stroke and probably working too much um, and doing extra hours, etc. But and, and I think that's what definitely I've learned. So now I'm re- like I'm recognising now and I'm actually implementing it as well. I'm not I'm like I know that probably the the five days would be just too much, you know, so and it's it's taking that step back and acknowledging that that you know it's still a problem and um yeah pacing yourself it's managing the, it, it is the yes. key yeah do you find you deal with stress differently now oh yeah yes it's now it's taken me the year since the stroke to get to the point um that I'm that I am now um I'm definitely I would say a different actually I wouldn't even describe myself as a different person but I'm definitely a better version of me um I've come through a, a, like a significant event um but I'm just a more positive person I'm now glass half full rather than half empty um you just have a different perspective on things now believe me you get your down days as everyone does <clears throat> you know that's just normal but um I definitely manage things better and manage stress better um I don't let things that are out of my control for example um stress me out because they're simply out of your control. You can't do anything about it. So that's one huge thing that I've learned. Would you be less anxious now? Oh yes, yes. Um anxiety has I mean initially I would have I would have said like anxiety was a problem for me at the you know, when I when I first had the stroke. Um you know, things like simple things um that would never have bothered me really got to me. Really, really got to me. Um and that then you know um, I would have I would have went and and had some counselling from the Irish Heart Foundation and that really really helped really really wonderful yeah did you did you ever find I know you were home for six months before you returned did you ever find that you were isolated um no no I didn't um I I have wonderful family and friends and there was always like my mom my mom's retired so she was always about actually it came to the point especially initially when I was discharged home first um that that there was they were there a lot they were there too much um with like um for example I think it was only a few days home and um I went from the sitting room to the to the bathroom and my dad came in and looked for me and was searching for me and um was calling for me well that's what dads it's, do yeah it's the anxiety you know that's anxiety but like do. I'm just like uh, I'm in the toilet <laughs> you know can you give me two minutes <laughs> don't, don't panic don't <laughs> yeah, panic exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I am delighted that you've come in and, and spoken to us today I'm particularly delighted to um, speak to you as your capacity as an occupational therapist yes. and also as somebody who has survived a stroke yeah. 
you know, there was a 20% chance that you weren't going to survive? Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's the reality of it. Does, yeah, does that I ever cross your mind? It does. She, every day, you know. Um, see, and the thing about it is I pass by where I had my stroke every single day going to work now. So I, you know, for a while, it's reliving the moment every single, every single day. And now you, I go past it and it's, it's actually a, a positive thing. I'm like, oh, well, I had it there. and But now look at me, I'm fine and I'm on my way to work. And I think on the anniversary of my stroke, on the Friday, I was going to work and I stopped off at the point and I just took a moment there mm. and I text the two um, ladies who stopped for me, Ruth and Geraldine, uh, just to say thank you and just to let them know that uh, today I actually got into work safely. <laughs> and and, I, and I, never, no, no, I wouldn't moan about actually being able to go to work. Yes, you know, yeah, because actually yeah. the, the, to be able to do that is just such an amazing thing. I, I think you've yeah. been very lucky in your stroke journey, Magella, and I'm glad that uh, you've come out the other side of it. And I'm delighted that all of you is yeah. here today to talk to me about it. Same here. Um, and thank you for sharing your thrombectomy story with us as well. I, I'm, I'm just fascinated by this, this procedure. It's amazing. Magella Cassidy, continued health and success in your ongoing recovery. And thank you for joining me on The Stroke Cast. Thanks a million, Jerry. Thank you. Next week on The Stroke Cast, it's my story. I just turned to Anne and said, I don't feel very well. The, the left side of my face had completely dropped. The first responders right, telling yeah. the ambulance, we're pretty sure you've had a stroke. So they already know before they get to the house, time is of the essence. Um, I was only 50. But as my walking improved, my soul lifted, my spirits lifted. I feel very, very thankful. And yes, I wake up every morning and go, oh, crap, I can't put my socks on properly or whatever. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. So have an eye little to be complaining about. Get in touch on Twitter at Strokecast IRL or on Facebook. The Strokecast is produced and presented by Jerry Stevens. The executive producer is Al Dunn. It's created by Unique Media.